0: love my friends here on the desperation staff and I love you I am so excited about what God has given me I feel like he's just kind of giving me a word on my heart to to speak to you guys I'm so honored to be here with you today I just want to just want to take a moment our senior pastors in the house and I just love him so much I love him and miss Pam Boyd and so uh, I just am so thankful to serve here we got Mr. and Mrs. Desperation on the front row, as I just like to call them, but I just want to take a moment and just honor Pastor Brady, Ms. Pam, Pastor David, Renata Perkins, who I have the honor of serving for the last. Come on, just give it up for them. I love them. Just clap for me for them. Just so honored. Moved here about a year and a half ago. My friends on the Desperation staff, we really are a family, and it's such an honor to serve with them and leading a generation, doing our part to lead this generation in desperate pursuit of God. My incredible Octavia, whom you guys met on Wednesday night, is here along with my four-month-old little girl, Ryan Nicole Cormier. Y'all just give it up for them. I love them so much. So like I said, and like you heard from Pastor John Mack from Louisiana, uh, born and raised deep south Louisiana, Lake Charles, and about 30 minutes from the Gulf Coast. And I just want to tell you a little bit about my background as it relates to even the message this morning. I was raised in church, just a church kid. I went to Christian school from preschool all the way through fifth grade. So some of my earliest memories are just sitting on the pews in the back of a church multiple times throughout the week, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, Saturday mornings, cleaning our church, serving at our church. My dad was a deacon. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. So I grew up around church a lot. My family's been serving God for years now. And I have a brother who's about 10 years older than I am. So 10 years my senior. And so about second grade or so, he was a senior in high school about to graduate and be out of the house. But it's so interesting whenever you grow up with a, another sibling, how many of you have an older brother in the house today? Come on. And so, so some of you may, some of you may feel me because you always go through kind of what we call like the, the comparison game. My older brother and I are like, like night and day in many, many areas. You know, he's like, I mean, he's, Uh, got, I mean, just muscles on top of muscles, like muscles on top of his head, on his feet. I mean, just everywhere. I mean, he was like all-star athlete, like, I mean, incredible football player, basketball player, track. I mean, all of it just came naturally. Anybody know people like that? Like they don't even have to like try to, they're just like naturally good at stuff like, and so, and so kind of growing up in our house, I was always kind of, even in my head, like, Man, like, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to be really, really good at? Like I said, my brother, once he graduated high school, got a football scholarship to a really nice university, you know, full ride and all of that. So the pressure was on, you know, once I moved into my teenage years and trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do, like, to, to really kind of, I don't know, like, impress my family or just impress people around me, extended family, whatever. And so my brother, like I said, super athletic, ended up going to the Marine Corps and all these different things. I'm like, I like people and I like singing. I don't, that comes natural for me, but that was like, that was kind of it. You know what I'm saying? Like I could play a little bit of sports, but nothing, nothing to the degree of where he was. And so I remember going through junior high, going through high school, just trying to figure out like, who am I? Like, what am I going to do to really leave a mark and kind of be known for? And so just kind of playing that game. You know, it's really interesting because just a few months ago, I was interacting with several pastors, and, and several of them were saying, like, oh, I, I like this. Like, man, this is my favorite football team, or this is my favorite basketball team, or this is my favorite whatever. And so they were like, you know, Brandon, like, who's your favorite, like, football player? And I was like, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I like football. I like watching basketball, but I'm not, like, diehard. And so one of them were just like, well, like, well, like, what sport do you like? And I was like, I don't, I mean, I don't, uh, it doesn't, I mean, I, it, But it's so interesting because I walked away from that conversation almost with a revelation at this moment. We love placing people in certain boxes because it makes us feel better. Like immediately once I meet someone or once you meet someone, we love to just kind of say, like, this is who you are. Like I wanna, like, and just kind of label them, right? And and we love, we just, I mean, it just comes naturally, even like in adults as we're conversing and we're talking and, and if we're not, careful. And this is kind of where I want to, I'm going this morning. God has called us to know who we are. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. And so, so this morning, let me just give you a little, let let me, let me just, I want to just ask for your help this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, man, I'm from the South. I grew up in church my whole life, but I grew up in talking church. So people kind of talk back at the preacher. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, that's about half of you. Okay, so so you can just be, I mean, if something, I mean, God's moving on your heart. He's saying, it's okay to say, amen, that's good. Come on, somebody. I mean, like, all of those different things. Everybody tracking with me? It's early this morning. Is everybody tracking with me? All right, thank you very, very much. And so, so often I get asked in youth ministry. I've been a full-time youth pastor now for over six years, almost seven years. And And so many times, yeah, come on. And so... So many times I get asked by people, by parents, by adults, you know, you know, Brandon, if there's, if there was one thing that you had to say, what's the number one issue that's plaguing teens and, and young adults of this generation, I always almost instantaneously answer. I said, if I had to pick just one issue that was like the issue with teenagers and young adults across the landscape of America would say one thing. an identity crisis. The answer is simple. They do not know. So many teens in this culture and in this generation simply don't know who they are. I mean like no idea, not even a clue. And as I think about a person who most embodies this same issue in scripture, takes me to the book of Beginnings. If you have your Bibles, you can just quickly go to Genesis chapter 25. It's also going to be on the screen for us. I want to start reading at Genesis chapter 25, and I want to start at verses, uh, verse 21. Verse 21 this morning. I want to go right to the Word because I feel like there's some things that God wants to say and God wants to do in the hearts of so many of you even this morning. So Genesis 25, and I'll be reading uh, starting at verse 21. Says Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb, so she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me? She asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. And from the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. 24 says, and when the time came to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she did indeed have twins. Go figure. Verse 25 says, the first one was red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's Heal. Everybody say heal. So they named him Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. Now I want to skip over to Genesis chapter 32 and read a few verses out of that chapter as well. So Genesis 32, I'll be starting at verse uh, 24. It says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Everybody say all alone. In the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 27 says, what is your name? The man asked, and he replied, Jacob. 28 says, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. 30 says, Jacob named the place Peniel. Everybody say "Peniel," Peniel. Which means face of God. For he said, I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. If you're taking notes this morning, simply want to preach from a topic, a message that is just simply entitled, What's Your Name? Everybody bow your heads. Father, I just thank you so much For the power of your word. I thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide even between soul and spirit. I pray that even as I speak this morning, God, that you would place power and anointing on my words, God. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So what's your... What's your name? What's your name? Jacob, like all of us, had a prophetic promise, a destiny, a plan, a purpose to fulfill that was well thought out and planned out from before the time he was in his mother's womb. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, When God, the Bible says that, Jeremiah says, The word of the Lord came to me and said, even before you were in your mother's womb, Jeremiah, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, we don't all have the exact same calling, but every single one of us in this place, hear me well today. There is a prophetic promise that is attached to your life that was well thought out and well planned even before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Does anybody believe that today? So every single one of us, so just like Jacob, just like Jeremiah, God has the same level of intimate knowledge about each and every last one of you. You see, before Jacob was born, the word of the Lord came to his mother saying that he would rule, he would reign, he was born to lead, but the boy had issues. Everybody say issues. We all have issues. I don't know your issue. You don't know my issues. But I know you got some stuff going on in your life. You see, Jacob was selfish and self centered even in the womb. And here's what's interesting: Whenever Hebrews, whenever it came time to to to, to name their children and to really, it, it, a name was so much more than what it is today. Many of us just kind of arbitrarily were named, maybe even by our parents. Or whenever we think name, we just think, oh, Michelle or or Susan or or Brandon or or whatever. But in the Hebraic mindset, whenever you would speak a name over someone, it was so much more than letters in the alphabet. You were literally speaking their identity entity and their purpose over them. Does that make sense? And so many times in Hebrew culture, they wouldn't even name the children or name the child until after he or she was born because they would watch for the characteristics and the gifts that they would begin to display. If they were were mild-mannered or or, or tempered or if they were aggressive, many times they would speak or come up with some name that had to do with their personality or many times a name that was attached to their destiny, i.e. Jesus means he who saves so whenever the angel came to Mary and said you shall call his name Jesus for he will save the people from their sins does that make sense and so and so even whenever Jacob was was born and afterwards the moment at the moment whenever he was born we see Jacob coming out of the womb and grabbing his brother's heel everybody say Esau and so the Hebrew word for heel is Akheb. And so uh, the he- Jacob's name in Hebrew is yakob And so it was kind of like this play on words. So whenever he came out, they said, okay, he's grabbing at the Yacheb, so we're gonna call him yakob And he is the one who is the, the heel grabber, the one that's always gonna be aggressively pursuing different things. And so from early childhood, every time the name Jacob was spoken. It reminded him, oh yeah, I'm the one who just struggles. I'm the one who has to wrestle and and fight my way and I've got to work really hard to earn people's trust and to earn people's love because surely this is just who I am. He was a master deceiver. That's what his name meant. So more than a cab, more than heel grabber, it also meant liar and deceiver and manipulator and the one who cheats people. And, you know, just kind of, anybody know any Jacobs, like maybe at your school or in your family? I mean, like the guy or girl who is just, I mean, anything that comes out of their mouth, you just, you lying. You just, you're lying. You're lying. Ain't nobody got time for that. You're lying. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so uh, many of us know Jacobs, even in our, in our family, in our schools. And, and so Jacob goes His whole life from what we can see in scripture. We don't have time to read it all, but later on in Genesis chapter 25, there's an incident where Jacob manipulates his brother for something called the birthright. And that's not where I want to go this morning. I don't have time to unpack everything, but just to suffice it to say, the birthright was a huge deal in Jewish culture. And Jacob, being the manipulator, the liar, the heel grabber that he was, manipulates his brother out of his birthright and takes it. And then later on in Genesis chapter 27, another time he deceives, true to form, true to his name, he even deceives his own father, Isaac, pretending to be his brother Okay, and so he steals, he's not only stolen or manipulated his way and works really, really hard to get the birthright. But then he also manipulates in order to get the blessing of the firstborn son. These two things were different and Jacob wanted it all because that's just who Jacob is. Of course, he's inspired by his mother, Rebecca, just just to prove the point that the apple does not fall very far from the tree. Okay, so his mom tells him, why don't you deceive your, his mom loved him so much more than his brother. And so even we see that there's just dysfunction all around in this family. But getting back to our main topic here, Jacob, the deceiver, the heel grabber. Genesis 28 Jacob is on the run from his brother who has vowed to kill him. Because you see, the moment whenever Esau finds out that not only once has Jacob manipulated me and deceived me and cheated me out of what's rightfully mine, but again, he's taken away the blessing of the firstborn from our father. And Esau makes a vow, I will kill my brother. Jacob, I will kill you. And so Jacob's kind of on the run from, for his life and he's running from a brother who's vowed to kill him. Even after all of the deceptive wickedness in his life, Genesis 28 rolls around and we still find a God who seems obsessed with pursuing Jacob. You see, for the first time, God comes to Jacob and he confronts Jacob directly by way of a dream. Now, here's what's interesting to note. This is the first time that we can see in Scripture that Jacob is actually alone. Every time, every other time from birth up until this point, we see Jacob hanging out with Esau or Jacob with his father or Jacob with Rebecca or Jacob with his uncle Laban and all these different things. But for the first time in Scripture, we find Jacob alone. And God comes to him, and he begins to speak to him. And here's the deal. God, true to form, God being God, comes to him. And he doesn't come to him in some fashion of saying, you filthy piece of junk, you lying, deceiving, manipulating little man. But he comes to him in a dream, and he begins to speak his promises over Jacob telling me, and I see this so beautiful in Scripture, it's this picture of grace. Jacob, you have not done anything to earn what I'm about to speak over you in this dream, but based upon the promises and the character of who I am, my kindness is still towards you. My love is never changing, and I really am for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. It's just the Bible. It's just a, it's a scandal of the gospel. It seems almost too good to be true. And so God comes to him in a dream, Genesis chapter 28, and offers friendship to him. Because at this point, Jacob ain't got no friends. Everybody trying to kill Jacob. Jacob has been deceived by his uncle Laban. I mean, Jacob is on the run for his very life. And so God comes to him and offers him friendship when nobody else is there for Jacob He gives him love. He gives him, he speaks over him covenantal promises. The same promises that God spoke to Abraham, God begins speaking over Jacob in a dream saying, through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed, Jacob. I know you're a liar. I know you're a deceiver, but my promises are based on my character, not your behavior, okay? And so he tells him, this is what I want to do in your life. And so, so I just simply call this, Beth L moment everybody say Beth moment because Jacob, after this, he, he names this place, and he, this, this place happens at Bethel. You see, many of you have had Bethel moments throughout this conference. And what I'm talking about are people just coming up to you and, and speaking encouraging words over you. And even in the middle of worship, God has reminded you of his covenantal promises. This is who you are. I love you. You're called to do great things. And, and so it's good to have Bethel moments in our walk with Jesus. You know, being reminded, man, God loves me. You you're the Apple of his eye, your name has been called carved into the palm of my hand. I love you. I am for you. I'm not against you. I'm not mad at you. I'm madly in love with you. And so that's Bethel moments that God, many of us have had throughout this conference. So Jacob leaves Bethel and just kind of goes on. He responds to God and says, You know, God, if you, God, if you just, if you do all the things that you just said that you're going to do. And if you, if you really are who you say that you are, God, I'm in. I mean, I'm, I'm really in. I want to I want to believe. And it wasn't so much that Jacob was trying to strike another deal with God. He was just trying. He made a vow with God even in that moment and said, God, if, if that's who you are, if, they, if, it's, if it's really true, then God signed me up. And so many of us have had that moment or up, given, been given opportunity to have Bethel moments, many of them. But here's the deal. Genesis Chapter 32, we find Jacob left all alone again. And here's where I really want to land this morning. Genesis 32, verse 24. It simply says, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. You see, it's in the alone moments That God does his best work in you. It's in the alone moments when God does some of his best work in your heart. Verse 25 says that as they were wrestling. So this man comes. It's night. Jacob's alone again. A man comes and begins to wrestle with Jacob in the thick of the darkness at night. So we can't really see what's going on, but just wrestling because this is who Jacob is, a wrestler, a heel grabber. I mean, really, I mean, all these different things who Jacob was. So God comes to him and they're wrestling this wrestling match. And then halfway through the match, the angel of God, as scripture says, simply placed his hand on Jacob's hip. Touched his hip, popped it out of socket, so he weakens him. And I see this today as a picture of, of brokenness, of brokenness. You see, while everybody's telling you how to live, I just want to tell you this morning how to die. Did you catch that? See, it's in moments of brokenness that God can really do a work in our lives because some of us are so steeped in our pride that, as much as God is trying to speak over you and to change your heart, because there's been no brokenness, you don't even have a capacity to receive it. It's like there's a wall here. So God's coming to you and saying, I love you. I want to use you. I also want to change you. I love you too much to leave you the way that you are. But we have so many walls up because we have not yet been broken over our sin and broken over the love of God. And we can't really be the vessel and the tool in his hand that he wants to use. Bethel is good. Peniel is also necessary and so he touches his hip and pushes it out of socket and it's when jacob is weakened that he's able to have a conversation with god you see no longer did god come to him in a dream that's how messed up jacob was God God would have even come to him and tried to have a conversation in his his sane mind. And in real life, I don't even think Jacob would. No, 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 no. I'll just keep striving and struggling and doing things my own way. So he comes to him in a dream at Bethel. But now God's saying, you know what? It's time for you to move past Bethel because there are great things that I've called you to do, Jacob. And the only way that you're going to be able to hear from me and really be able to receive from me is if you allow me to break you. We talk a lot about anointing and and, and as it relates to the power of God. And it's so interesting because in the Old Testament, anointing oil was literally, it would would be the crushing, crushing. That's literally what anointing even calls for in the Old Testament was when things were crushed and then the oil would come out. You see what I'm saying? And kind of like this, this picture, whenever they would anoint priests and prophets and kings, it was only after something had been massively crushed that oil would come out, symbolizing the power of God on that person's life. And I'm just telling you, even as the New Testament church, it's the same, the principle carries over. It is only after we are willing to come to God and say, Lord, would you just break me this morning? would you just would you just just break me this morning because until we're broken we are destined to continue to operate in our own strength and our own ability and our own gifting and our own power and that will only take us so far it's kind of like what pastor ron was was speaking on it's we're going to hit that brick wall unless we're broken Because in your own strength, you cannot do this. And so, after the brokenness occurs in Jacob's life, right there in this moment, with God, God asks him, question. Now, it's important to note in Scripture, we are talking about the uncreated, omniscient, omnipotent God. Anytime he poses a question in Scripture, it is not because he is unaware or aloof to the situation that he is describing. It is always for the purpose of the one he is posing the question to. He is trying to pull something out of their hearts. This is how God moves. This is how God speaks to us many times. So he poses a question, not because he does not know, but he poses a question so that we can begin answering and come to a realization or a revelation. And so he looks at him once again after he's broken because his whole life he's walked like this. I mean, can you imagine whenever we describe Jacob, whenever I think of Jacob as this manipulator and this deceiver and every single time it has worked for him. Every single time he's tried to manipulate, it worked for him. Even whenever he came to his uncle Laban and he worked for seven years to to get one daughter and then uh, he has to work seven more years, but he's still got. And so all of this time, what he has been doing seems to have been working for him. And many of us, even this morning, what you've been doing seems to be working for you. But my Bible says that there is a way that seems right unto man. But the end of that way Is destruction. And so he's been walking like this his whole life. He's got swag, all right? This is Jacob. I'm the man in charge. I'm the head, you know what I'm saying? I can can manipulate my way into any circumstance, any situation, have whatever I want, just because I have a silver tongue and I am extremely gifted and I'll talk, I mean, I'll sell ice to Eskimo. I mean, that's how good I am. So his whole life he's been walking like this and all of a sudden he has this encounter, this wrestling moment and bam! Kind of like this epiphany happens. And in that moment, God of the universe asks him, what is your name? And I would imagine kind of played out something like Jacob saying, what? like nobody's ever asked me that before. Because again, it wasn't just letters. Letters. What God was really saying is what is your identity? And so he, in a moment of weakness, in a moment of brokenness, he looks at him, he says, My name. You really want to know my name? I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a manipulator. I mean, I have real issues, God. I've done so many things wrong. My name is Jacob. And could you see this exchange taking place between Jacob and and, and Elohim? I mean, Yahweh, the God of the universe. I'm a liar. It's just who I am. Perhaps for the first time, He's actually meditated on what his name means. And he comes clean before God. I'm really good at putting on a show. I manipulate. This is who I am. You see, the name Jacob was as much what he was as it, was, as it is who he was. The name Jacob literally means heel grabber, liar, manipulator, cheat, fraud, fake, con artist it's as much what he was as it was who it was who he was but you see you have to understand that the prophetic word over Jacob's life was that he was destined to be a blessing to the nations of the earth but it seems he went through much of his earthly life not knowing it and believing it or, or maybe he knew it but he thought he had to make it happen so I have to lie, I have to manipulate. The end does not justify the means. God did not call him to manipulate and to, and to do all those different things and to be a liar. That wasn't his destiny. That wasn't God's best plan for his life. You see what I'm saying? And some of us have done things and, but I'm here to encourage you today. Your plans won't frustrate the plans of God for your life if you'll just yield to him. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Your things, the things that you've done do not have to frustrate the calling and the purpose that God has on your life. And Jacob learns this in an amazing way. You see, your beliefs always determine your actions. So you can tell me you believe whatever. You can tell me you love God. You can tell me you're wholeheartedly pursuing God, but your actions will always scream louder than any words you will ever say. And so for Jacob, just looking at his life, we can tell that mm -mm, even if he knew, even if he had heard that he had been called of God, that he'd been chosen of God, he didn't really believe that. He had some kind of messed up understanding of it. Your beliefs always determine your actions. So, really comes down to a belief system. That's why I honestly believe in this generation it's an identity crisis. You don't believe the promises of God. So many don't believe the things that God has to say about them. Anything you must work to make happen outside of God's help, you'll work even harder to keep it happening. And that's what happened in Jacob's life. He started off a liar. He got everything by lying. And so he just had to continue lying because that was his M.O. That's who he was. But it wasn't God's best. I want to talk to Jacob's in this room this morning. I want to ask every one of you in the same spirit, in the same tone, in the same tenor. That God asked Jacob his name that day. I want to ask you, what is your name? What is your name? identity. Oh, no, I'm not talking about what everybody else believes you are. I'm not talking about what your parents think about you. I'm not talking about what your youth pastors or your youth leaders think about you. I am asking you in the same tone and tenor that God asked Jacob that day, what is your name? What's your name? What is it? What's your identity? What's your character? I believe that there are Jacob's all over this auditorium today in all sizes, shapes, skin colors, genders you see Jacobs are insecure and performance based because they have to work to make it happen because even though I may believe that God loves me I've got to do something to earn it, right? I mean, it's just too good to be true God wants to use it but I've got to lie I mean, the end justifies the means so I'll do whatever it takes and I'll put on a show I'll, I'll profile, I'll do whatever Jacobs, publicly, cocky, arrogant. But when alone, it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Because it's hard to keep going at that pace. Because you're living in your own strength and your own power, Jacob. See, the Christian Jacob, and there are some Christ-following Jacobs here today, strives really hard at being holy and and pleasing God because you haven't learned to simply be who the Father has created you to be. That's the Christian Jacobs. And there are many of you even here today. You see, there's a little bit of Jacob in just about all of us. There's a little bit of Jacob in just about all of us. I was in a season of my life about six years ago. I, was, I just finished college, just finished my undergrad at Northwestern in Louisiana, 2006, and begin to just ask God, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do with my life? And I mean, I have a degree, bachelor's of business administration, did pretty well academically, got lots of experience and leadership and student organizations and fraternity. I mean, like the whole nine yards and just wondering what, and God said, just calling you to be a part of Missionary organization, YWAM, Youth with the Mission, down in Tyler, Texas, and so spent five months there. And I just remember in that season, you see, this message is so alive in my heart because you're looking at a recovering Jacob. And so, in the season of my life, we were there for three months before we went out to India and various parts of the United States to a ministry. But for three months. I remember going to God multiple times a week. There was this small prayer chapel that was located there and right outside of Tyler, Texas, Lindale, and a nice prayer chapel overlooked a lake. But I remember literally many times over saying, God, I need you to fix whatever's broken on the inside of me. I just, I want to be all that you've called me to be. I mean, hours Laying down on my face prostrate before the Lord. That's where you get changed. It's not in one little moment. or whatever. I'm talking about a season of just going before God saying, God, I know that the Jacob in me must die. You don't outgrow Jacob, you annihilate Jacob. You can't coach Jacob out, you've gotta pray Jacob's death. He's got to die on the inside of you if you're ever going to be all that God has created you to be. God cannot use a Jacob, he wants to use an Israel. We have too many Jacobs already. This generation doesn't need a Christian Jacob doesn't need a worldly Jacob. We need Israels, people who know that man without God, I am nothing. My very best is a filthy rag before God. I need him desperately. And so crying out to God, I remember like yesterday Jason Upton music playing, God, heal me. I mean, just one of my favorite songs. Another one, brokenness, brokenness is what I long for. Brokenness is what I need. Brokenness is what you want from me. I mean, like multiple times to my voice hurt and I cried my eyes out saying, God, break me. Do whatever you have to do. I want to be holy. I want to be yours. I mean, I want to be in this thing for the long haul. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to just serve you for three years. I want to serve you for 30 plus years. I don't want to be another statistic that goes through youth group on fire for God. And again, like Pastor Ron would hit a brick wall. God, I don't want that to be me. And God said, it doesn't have to be you. If you'll allow me to crush and break the Jacob on the inside Of your heart. Jacob has to die. Are you guys understanding this? He has to die. And he does not die easily. I've had to come back and make an altar before the Lord and say, God, God, kill him again And me. He keeps coming. But I keep, God, he's got to die. I don't want to be Jacob. I don't want to be Jacob. But some of us have such an affinity for Jacob. I and mean, Jacob's cool, Jacob's hip. Jacob gets what he wants, when he wants, how he wants it every time. So it's more of a revelation that is needed. Again, it was in a moment of brokenness that the spirit of revelation hit jacob and this is our prayer even as a desperation staff whenever we pray and many of you have been in prayer meetings we're praying that a spirit of revelation something revealed something that you did not see before because of walls that were up that the spirit of revelation is piercing through the walls of your heart jacob and you realize that he's got to die You can lead a few prayer meetings as a Jacob, but you'll never do anything great. You won't have lasting fruit. No way. No way. Anything that's built on a lie will always come crashing down because it's not holiness. And above everything, all of the various titles that are ascribed to God. Four letter word. H-O-L-Y. He is holy. It is the Holy Spirit that he gives to us. It is his job to continuously make us holy, to present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's your calling, that's your purpose, to be ye holy. Jacob cannot walk in holiness, you guys. He doesn't have it in him. He's not wired to walk in holiness. You guys getting this? So Jacob strives and struggles and is so tired and puts on a great show in front of people. But whenever Jacob is at home alone, there's no holiness. There's no purity. There's no righteousness. There's no integrity. It's all a show. It's a sham. It's a fake. It's not real. It's not lasting. This generation is filled with Jacobs. I believe that deep down inside, there was a zeal and a passion that was improperly trained and improperly harnessed. Hence the struggle that continued his whole life up until this moment. And many of you have ambition and many of you have zeal. According to scripture, Romans talks about having a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. And what we mean by knowledge is the very spirit of truth, so we can have lots of passion and, and lots of zeal, and I am all for it. I mean, I, I hope to be one of the most passionate people on the face of the planet all of my days, but our passion has to be in light of the Word of God, because whenever the feelings go, the Word will remain. The Word will remain. Amen? Amen. Jacob's not interested in the word. Jacob is only interested in the feeling. That's why he can't endure. That's why Jacob can't last. Jacob's not long-term. So Jacob must, he's got to die. I mean, there's just no other option. So in this place called Peniel, the way to have power with God, It's to be broken by God. The way to have power in God is to be broken by God. The question then becomes, how do I get rid of Jacob? I'm so glad you asked. Again, Jacob can't be outgrown. Jacob must be annihilated. The solution is a revelation of divine truth. Jacob cannot stay alive Once you have a revelation of divine truth, I am a son, I am a daughter of God. I am putting away the old nature. I am walking in openness. I want to walk in the light. I don't want to live in the shadows. I want to be pure. I want to be holy. I want to do what's right before the Lord. My God, all of my days, the solution is a revelation of divine truth. Well, let's go back to our story and just see what happens with Jacob. Verse 28, right after Jacob says, right after he replies, verse 27, what is your name, the man asked, or God asked. He replied, Jacob, verse 28, your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. See, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Your name will no longer be called Jacob. In a moment, just like that, God changes his name from liar, manipulator, fake and fraud, to Israel, which literally means "prince of God." And he began, and again, it's not just a cool title. He was speaking over him, "This is your new identity." This is what I've always dreamed for you to be. Do you realize again from before you were in your mother's womb, God had dreams about you? He literally dreamed about you. Row things out and begin to think about this is, this is what you're going to look like and, and this is the calling that I'm going to give you. And these are the gifts that I'm going to put on the inside of you from birth and I'll never take them away according to my word. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable or without repentance. This is what I've called you to do. This is the best way to live your life as possible. But somewhere along the way, a lie is implanted and we begin to function. In light of a lie. And God's saying, in order for Jacob to die, you've got to renounce the lie. You've got to allow me to speak over you divine truth. But not just divine truth, not just blessing, but you've got to be willing. Say, God, I want to walk away from that identity. I want to leave it in the dust. See what I'm saying? Jacob can never get to his final destination with only having Bethel moments. It took Bethel moments of good. And I am the most, I mean, I try to be the most positive, speak life and hope over people as possible. But Bethel was not enough. He needed a Peniel as well, where he wrestled with God, literally made an altar. Says, God, fix me, heal me, deliver me, set me free. There was a promise at Peniel that eventually came to pass in Jacob's life, in Israel's life. And of course, we, everybody knows about Jacob even today. And it's crazy because he's actually celebrated in the New Testament and and Hebrews, whenever they begin to list off heroes in the faith and Jacob is thrown in there and What? I mean, half his life, he was just a sinner. I mean, a no-good manipulating piece of junk. I mean, or at least that's what we would say. But God says he's a hero because he was willing to be broken. He was willing to be broken. If Jared will come, Jared and the team will come out here. So prepare to close this morning. When I to give you one final thought I feel like kind of wraps this whole idea up in verse 31. We just put verse 31 on the screen there. <clears throat> Genesis 32: 31. it says, "The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury." to his hip. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. At Bethel, Jacob had a cool dream. God spoke love over him. God spoke promises over him. God befriended him. At Peniel, he left with a physical reminder, a marking even in his body that I'll never walk the same way again. I'll never be the same person again. And even if I slip back into Jacob, I wholeheartedly, over the scope of my life for the rest of my days, I am Israel. I've got a new name. Maybe Jacob doesn't resound with you this morning. That's why I'm asking you, what is your name? Is it one who is full of lust? Is it one who is full of pride? Is it one who is full of rebellion? I'm here to tell you that God wants to give you a new name if you'll allow Him to break you and to crush you. But it's in the brokenness. That God says, you know what? Once you're broken, you be, can, you, you somehow become clay that I can begin to mold. Clay is not moldable. Hard. So even in that, we see a breaking and a crushing. Something that the Father can use. And so much, so many of us have so much zeal and ambition, and it's a good thing. But I'm saying even prophetically this morning as I was praying for this session, felt like the Lord said, Brandon, tell them that there are some of you this morning, maybe not all of you, there's a handful of you this morning that God is going to begin to do a surgery in your heart and Jacob will die. Jacob will go. And your identity, you'll be set on a path of your identity being changed. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. I've told you, I confessed to you. Six years ago, Jacob died. But you know what? Six days ago, Jacob died. And about six hours ago, Jacob died again in me. You guys get that? The sun rose upon his face that day at Peniel. And Jacob left there with a limp, Israel. And it would always be a reminder to him that we've got to live brokenness. We've got to live in brokenness before the Lord. Not in our own strength, not in our own power, but I am a broken man. Such was Jacob's testimony. Such can be your testimony. I would imagine he never walked quite the same. What's your name? God wants to change names today. Want you to remain seated right where you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Holy Spirit, it is your work in this place that we want. I ask of you to begin to speak to hearts today. We desperately need Jesus to rescue. Us as badly as Jacob needed to be rescued. God, I know that there are Jacobs that need to be rescued this morning. It was a divine rescue, Father. Right now in this moment, I'm just gonna go to ministry time and here's what I don't want because I'm going to give an altar call this morning, but this isn't popularity This isn't the cool altar call where we want to be seen, but this isn't that. This this isn't even a moment for you to bring up all your best friends and you to pray and cry over each other. This is not that. This is an opportunity to have an alone moment so that God can do some of His best work in your heart. Does that make sense? So in a moment, I'm just going to ask for any and all Jacob's who are ready to have their name and their identity changed. This is not a Bethel. This is not me just telling you how awesome you are and how much God loves you. This is Peniel where you do business with God. Where you literally get before the presence of God and say, God, whatever is in me that is unholy and impure, I want that person. I want that man, woman, boy, or girl. This is for youth pastors, youth leaders, students. I want him or her to die. Because I want to be used by you. Because I have a destiny. Because I have a calling and I want to accomplish it. Paul said, we've got to lay hold to that which has laid hold to us. I have grabbed hold to the one who has grabbed hold to my life. That's what this is this morning. So I want you to think long and hard. This is not a it's split, it's, no, no, no. This is an altar. This is a funeral. For Jacob. So in me, so in the, And all Jacobs, I'm going to invite you to come. You can spread out as far around this altar as possible. I would suggest that you fall on your knees before the Father. And just say, God, Jacob must. if that's you this morning we're not going to drag this out if that's you this morning i want you to get up very quickly and come now spread all out this is not prayer huddles this is not unless you're a youth pastor or a youth leader and you're praying for your students whatever this is not a moment to huddle this is a moment to have alone moments with god so jacob really can die Move very quickly. Just spread out. If there's not room in this altar, you can just go in the aisle. You can go underneath chairs. I don't care where you go. Just have a peniel moment with God so Jacob in you can die.